Welcome to the Fabulous Broads podcast. Grab yourself a drink and join the conversation about life after 50. My name is Maria Manettis, and whether I'm solo or chatting with a guest, I'll be bringing you stories of exploring and defining midlife one day at a time. Today, I am chatting with the Reverend Marsha Ledford. Marsha is a civil rights attorney and Episcopal priest and has recently turned 60. I usually chat with my guests a little bit before a recorded interview to get to know them, and I honestly say that Marsha and I could have talked for about an hour just on various topics ranging from religion to politics to family to elder care to seasonal allergies. I don't know. We were talking about quite a bit. So, Marsha, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's delightful to be with you today, Maria. I appreciate your taking the time. I know um, that you have a lot going on. So I would love for you to tell our listeners a a little bit more about yourself. I know you are obviously um, a a priest, but what else do you do, Marsha? I'm an Episcopal priest, and I am also a civil rights attorney, which was my first career, actually. I did that for uh, about 30 years. When I was coming of age, I sensed a call to ordained ministry, but of course I was not seeing women up at the altar and the pulpit. So I decided to become an attorney. And I thought that would be a great way to help people. And so I did that for many years. I became a civil rights attorney working uh, with populations that are on the margins, including the LGBTQ community. And um, I did a lot of criminal defense work in Detroit. So uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I did ultimately succumb to the pokings of the Holy Spirit to uh, go to seminary and to become ordained. So that happened in my late 40s. I decided to go to school. Wow, you are quite the trailblazer, first of (laughs) all, for working. And and Detroit, a very hard-hit community, economically, uh, I'm sure was a difficult place to work. Yes. And, you know, we since the rebellion of 67, um, Detroit experienced a huge white flight. And with that went the tax base and businesses and jobs and safety and all sorts of things. So um, I was doing criminal defense work before the renaissance that is now happening in the city of Detroit. And it was a pretty, it was pretty grim at the time. Yeah, I can imagine. Law can often be a little depressing for the attorney too, when you're faced with some insurmountable odds sometimes in your cases or just in the community in general, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's nice that you then went into something that is so spiritually uplifting that you can balance that out. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, People are sometimes surprised between, you know, this transition from law to theology, but they're actually really very similar because it's about interpreting text and then, you know, making oral arguments, you know, being persuasive, making a sermon, those kinds of things. So they're very, very closely related, actually. 
I imagine that making a sermon is uh, a very um, involved process based on the scriptures of the day. We have a young man who is a pastoral assistant in our church who does the sermon every Sunday. And I think, oh my gosh, what a daunting task to try Mm -hmm. and keep the attention of everyone, to inspire them, to give them hope. And nowadays to do it on Zoom, uh, which has got to be even more difficult. So my hat's off to him and to you for, you know, just trying your best to educate, enlighten, inspire everyone in that way. Yeah, um, the sermonic word is like nothing else. And if you are from a tradition like uh, Lutherans and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and so on, Uh, We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, so we have a set reading every week from four different sources of text, uh, the Old Testament, a psalm, uh, a letter, one of the epistles, and then a gospel reading. So you're synthesizing all of this text, and then hopefully uh, you can tie it into a current event, something that's going on right now, uh, because even though those texts are ancient, they're still relevant. They still have a lot of life wisdom in them. And um, I, I like writing sermons. So that helps. Yeah, well, we do the same in our church. We have those four readings and they always tie it in. And some of the more interesting ones have been tying it into, you know, maybe San Francisco Giants games or <laughs> the struggle. But, you know, there's always something relevant that I hear. But it, for me, a, a really good sermon gives me chills and makes me think about it afterwards for quite a while, you know. Well, that's that's the idea. If I think there's no greater compliment to a preacher than to say, you know, I thought about that all week, um, and it really caused me to reflect on what you said, and um, you know, that's that's high praise. It, I yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Now, Marcia, this last year, which of course has been challenging and seems to have been, you know, catapulted us five years forward in time because I, I feel like we've just missed all of these things. Uh, it's been chaotic. Now, what is your best advice to us? We've got the pandemic. We've got continuing racial divide and strife. We've got politics that is seriously divided. How are we going to get through this? What is your what is your path going forward to sort of reconcile all these different events and move forward with a little bit of positivity? It's not too well, much to ask, is it? <laughs> that's a bit that's Solve a pretty it all big question. Us. Solve it all. <laughs> yeah, that's like a gold medal Olympic quest- question there. Maria. Well, uh, I I think you're very capable of throwing us out <laughs> a couple of ideas though. Uh Well, this is what I would say. First of all, I think the country needs to take a collective deep breath, perhaps several hundred, and just (laughs) everybody just, you know, calm down. And then the next thing I think we must do is to have dialogue about racism in this country and where we are headed if we fail to grapple with our longstanding history of slavery, of lynching, of racial exploitation, um, police brutality, all of those things. If we don't come to terms 
with this, it's never going to get better. And in fact, it's only, God forbid, if we can even conceive of this, going to get worse. I, I can't imagine. Just from the time I've spoken with you, where did when did we speak? Last week? I think yeah, just Friday, last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much has already happened. I know. We've got the ongoing trial of Derek Chauvin uh, for the murder, for, in my opinion, lynching of George Floyd. That was interrupted by the killing of Dante, uh, the young man from Minnesota. Yes. And then that was interrupted by the high school shooting in Knoxville, Tennessee. And And this all happened in as many days. I guess. And there was also a video that came out of uh, an army lieutenant, I believe. An army lieutenant, yes. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things, it's, it's just a continual hit on the news. You're bombarded with all of this. It's uh, it's horrible. It's to the point where I don't even want to watch the news anymore and bury my head in the sand. I guess I shouldn't do I that, though. Well, because. But, <laughs> but you know what, I, Maria, I think that you're voicing something that so many of us are feeling right now. The uh, the oppressiveness of these sort of you know, end on end on end tragedies that keep happening that are either related to race or uh, a lack of gun control are, are really getting to people. And I'm sure the pandemic is exacerbating it, but in a way uh, we're all so much more vulnerable and perhaps we could take that vulnerability and treat it as a sort of a silver lining, if you will, uh, and and harness this exhaustion and uh, the, how bad we are all feeling about what is going on in this country and use that to the good. So you asked me the question earlier, you know, what do we do? I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the spirituality of resistance. Okay. And I, I think that we can all agree that we need to do something with respect to racial reconciliation in this country. And I also include immigration reform because that typically uh, works against people of color as well. But we need to find out what makes us tick um, inside. So it's kind of a two-part thing to, to engage in the spirituality of resistance. We have to understand ourselves. We have to reflect and pray. Uh, we need to do meditations and um, we, we need to find out what is most important to us. What are our passions? For me, it's immigration reform and racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we then we need to take what we learn about ourselves and maybe we do a Meyer-Briggs inventory. Maybe we do an Enneagram Um, There are conflict inventories that measure your uh, threshold for conflict. You know, maybe you're an introvert and you don't want to be up on the front lines, but you want to work towards the greater good. There's a place for all of us. Once we know ourselves, then we take that knowledge and we bring it to a group that has similar interests. Right. Right. You know, similar passions, and we work together like the body of Christ. St. Paul writes about this in the first letter to the Corinthians, where he says, for we are all one body in Christ. Yes. 
and we all have complementary skills. We can't all be the head or the hands. He even writes, you know, if the body were all I, where would the hearing be? We we all, Very true. you know, we all help each other figure out what to do and then we go do it. Do you think, Marcia, just to interrupt you for a, a moment, that sometimes it's better to have these groups meet in person versus virtually or on social media? Because the anonymity of social media, to me, really brings out the worst in some people. The the level of of nasty comments, the mm-hmm. negativity, some of these people would not do that to your face. And I think... Mm-hmm. Well, Maybe they would. I, I think maybe <laughs> I'm overstepping there. But I think that this pandemic has also added another layer whereby we're separated in a screen as you and I are now. And mm-hmm. if we are to have this one-on-one dialogue, that's great. But to try and do it, say, in a Facebook group or in a virtual meeting, mm-hmm. things get heated, things get ugly. People, they're like, I'm never going to see them again. I'm just going to do what I want. I don't right. care. I don't know. Uh, I I think you're right. Uh, I I think that the distance, the social distance that we have had to endure uh, has also created an opportunity for many of us to lose our manners. Yes. So that's a problem. Yes. Um, And so I think we all just need to be more mindful of the fact that perhaps we're taking greater liberties than we normally would in person and think about how to mitigate that and how to remember ourselves, if you will, you know, um, there's a, a, I'll send the link to you in the show notes, but uh, the way to talk to one another about tough things is called civil discourse when you do it with respect and uh, care. And the Episcopal church has a free five week course that people can take in their own time. So, you know, you're not under any kind of schedule. And I'll send, like I said, I'll send you that link. I would love it. Yeah. And, you know, it has some pretty common sense precepts. A lot of stuff we learn in kindergarten, you know, (laughs) Uh, don't interrupt and uh, talk to people where they're at, not where you want to be. And it's not about being right. It's about deep listening those kinds of things, we're not going to agree, but we can probably find common ground from which we can work together. I love that. I love that. I would totally love a link and I would love to do it myself because you can only get better if you work at it. And so I would definitely love to uh, take that class and recommend it. Perfect. Excellent. It's it's very good. And yeah. I don't think anybody will uh, take it and walk away not having learned anything. Right. Right. I um I also I have a quote that I that um made me think of you actually. It's mm. uh Pope Paul the Sixth, if you want peace, work for justice. Yeah. So I think that is sort of encapsulates what you're doing. Um, how do you get the message out to your community? Do you do it through your sermons? Do you do it? Uh, do you have workshops? I mean, what what is it that, how do you spread your message? That's a great question. Thank you. Uh, I have a website called politicaltheologymatters.com. Okay, perfect. And you can go check that out and read about my ministry and what I'm doing. 
Um, I am in the process of developing courses and I'm hoping to release my first book at the end <gasps> of the year, which Wonderful. is designed to be a how-to for for Christians and other people of faith from you know many traditions who are sick of the status quo and want to work for a more just society. All of the major world religions have something comparable to what Christians call the golden rule. Yes. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so that is a, a primary uh, teaching of respect, regardless of the faith that it comes from. And we can build coalitions, interfaith coalitions, just on that alone, because it's a, a basic understanding of respecting other human beings. So I preach and teach and speak uh, about those things. And so you can check it out on the website. Oh, I'm definitely going to link everything. I've taken some good notes here. And as I listen to the podcast again, I'll, I'll grab some little quotes and things for people to inspire them. I want to thank you for taking time out of what I know is a very busy time for you uh, to thank you for being with us, to imparting your wisdom and your good advice to us all to be more civil and work towards better discourse with each other. Thank you so much, Marcia. I well, appreciate it. I, I had one other thing I wanted to mention to yes. suggest that people, uh, Harvard has an implicit bias study, and you can take that based on race and gender and all sorts of things. And if you would like, I can send you that link as well, and people can go and check it yes, out. I yes. found it very helpful. Hey, the more links, the better, because this okay. is what I would consider something to be evergreen content that people can listen to a couple years from now, mm -hmm. tomorrow, and still get value. And that's what I want. I mean, other than, you know, so many of women that are over age of 50 have so much to offer that I want to make sure I highlight everyone. And this has just been a tremendous resource, I think, to everyone, no matter the age. This is it does has nothing to do with women over 50. This is perfect for men and women of any age to listen to and learn from. So thank you so much. I'm very honored. Thank you so much, Maria. Well, thank you. I will have show notes, links to your website, and I hope all of our fabulous Broads listeners have a fabulous day and enjoy our podcast. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you.